Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt Podcast presented by Onyx. On this episode, I am joined by Tom Bumgardner, who is a strength and conditioning coach, amongst many other things in regards to fitness. He owns a few different companies, but Human Predator Pack Mule seems to be the most fitting for hunters. His approach to hunting fitness and the types of workouts for hunting are unique and approachable to anyone that really wants to succeed in the mountains year after year. And I've actually just started training with Todd and so virtually training with him as he's helped me prepare for my high country mule deer hunt this fall. So I'm looking forward to seeing the results of that. The podcast is brought to you by Onyx. And the Onyx Hunt app is your premier GPS hunting app that turns your phone into a working GPS. Recently, Onyx added elite membership benefits for all elite users to get deals on other hunting companies as well as free memberships to some other scouting tools like Hunt and Fool and Top Rut. If you want to check out the Onyx Hunt app for yourself, head over to onyxmaps.com and use the coupon code EMW to save 20%. And Tethered is a company that's founded on the principles of educating the hunting community on saddle hunting while creating the most innovative, lightweight, safe products for saddle hunting. So I will be at the Tethered Teach and Train Tour in May in West Virginia with the Untamed guys. Uh, There'll be more details to come soon once everything's confirmed there. So just be on the lookout for that. If you want to learn about saddle hunting, get your hands on the product and try it out. This will be a great event to to take a look at. So to learn more about Tethered and Saddle Hunting, head over to tetherednation.com. Maven Optics. Maven is building the highest quality optics at half of the price of their competitors through their direct-to-consumer business model. They want to create the best optics for the job, period. Their products are backed with a lifetime no-fall warranty and an incredible customer experience. I'm using the B2 9x45 binos in all my western hunts. It is truly a low-light monster allowing you to see through the binos longer than you can with your naked eye. You can use the coupon code EASTMEETSWEST-GIFT for a free gift with any full-price optics order at mavenbuilt.com. The Spartan Forge Outfitter utilizes years of military background and machine learning to pull millions of data points to accurately predict deer movement, including GPS data, 30 years of weather, academic, and state research. They're using science rather than someone's opinion to figure out movement for your specific hunting area so that you make sure you're hunting on the right days. The Outfitter is available online now and will become an app soon. The price will increase at that point, so If you do buy it now, you're locked into that lower rate. It will not raise for you specifically if you get in at this lower rate. And also, if you use the coupon code EASTMEETSWEST, you save 25%. You can check that out at SpartanForge.ai. All right, this week I'm bringing back the Mountain Buck Story of the Week, or otherwise known as Mountain Buck Monday. And this comes from Andy Zimmerman. So Andy wrote to me, and said this past season I was focused more of my season from Maryland public land to the northern mountains of Pennsylvania. 
I was able to harvest this buck the second day of the Pennsylvania rifle season when my buddy walked around a large clear cut and this buck and a smaller one came out and circled around the bottom side of the cut where I was able to make a 60 yard shot. Thanks to your info, it made us focus our attention to these clear cuts. So if you want to check out Andy's buck, I'd recommend heading over to the East Meets West Hunt Instagram page and East Meets West Outdoors on Facebook and checking it out. It's a great buck and an awesome hunt by Andy, kind of going out of his comfort zone here and leaving his home state of Maryland there, heading up to Pennsylvania and finding success during the rifle season. So awesome job there from Andy. And... All right, so in other news, I'd mentioned last week about the Founders Speaker Series, which is the the 12-week program that Heather Kelly of Heather's Choice has created um, to really be able to help anybody that wants to start a business, has a business, and wants to learn how to grow it, um, but you don't know what to do next this is an opportunity to learn from the founders in the outdoor industry who are building big businesses with massive impact, big audiences and big income. And so if you really want this business idea to come to fruition with the help and you know, support of people like yourself, then the founder speaker series is your chance to get the business mentorship you're looking at. So it's 18 hours of FaceTime with the founders who are living the dream and have a business, a successful business in the outdoor industry. So I will be one of these speakers along with all these other really great people that are on there. Brian Call from Gritty. You got Ryan Lampers from Stealthy Hunter. You've got just a whole bunch of people, Robbie Denning, um, Lorenzo Sartini, just so many really great people that are on this and they're going to be, Heather will be interviewing them for 60 minutes and then there'll be 30 minutes of you being able to ask questions. No, there's no secrets to it. Everyone's putting everything out there to try to be able to help you learn. This is your chance to be able to do it. And if you're interested in that, uh, the speaker series starts on May 4th, so it's coming up fairly quickly here. So kind of have to head over to the website, which I, I'll put a link in the in the notes section here of the podcast, and I'll also send out an email if you're not signed up for the email list. But go over and, and check it out and read through some of the topics that everybody will be covering, the people that are on the list. And I think it'll be really beneficial for anybody that's serious about wanting to start a business. I wish I had this when I first started it, and I'll definitely be tuning in to listen to everyone and ask questions throughout the other different parts of the the conversation here. So definitely check it out, Founder Speaker Series. And if you're interested, you have to act soon to be able to do that. And there's a bunch of different um, options as far as payment plans and everything else to make it uh, worthwhile and easy for you to be able to to do there. So just, just an FYI, you know, when you're looking at things like this as far as, all right, why, why isn't something like this free? Well, everyone that's in here that's in this event doesn't work for free and really you shouldn't either. You know, a huge part of entrepreneurship is owning your worth and your time is valuable, your knowledge is valuable, and your skills are really valuable. So 
each of the speakers are being paid to come support and mentor you. So that's the reason that it's, you know, fair to pay to play, so to speak. So I could promise you that you will get way more out of it than you're putting into it up front here. So highly, highly recommend it. Plus being able to just talk to all of these individuals here. All right. So um, other news, upcoming draw deadlines, Kentucky Elk. If you want to apply for Kentucky Elk, it's super cheap to do so. And April 30th at midnight Eastern time is the deadline. I just finally applied today. Um, applied for both archery and rifle. So you can check that out. <clears throat> All right. And other than that, I tell you, I was on vacation last week. I mentioned it on the podcast, but I was uh, went to Puerto Rico with my girlfriend and just enjoyed time on the beach, spent some time in the rainforest, did a little bit of hiking down there in the, the tropical mountains that they have on the island. Just absolutely incredible. It was so nice to get away. Haven't been on non-hunting related vacation and I can't tell you how long. And I was kind of worried. I wasn't going to know just kind of how to turn it off. And I did exactly that. I didn't do one thing for work there. I didn't think about anything, just really focused on being in the moment and enjoying it with my girlfriend there. And we had a great time. It was awesome, but I'm refreshed, ready to get back to it. And, and just, yeah, feels good to kind of have that reset a little bit. So Um, part of that reset is starting a new training program and I'm training with Todd who's on this podcast here. Um, he reached out about wanting to, wanting to see if I was interested in working with him to get ready for my mule deer hunt based off the principles in this podcast here and started this week. So, um, just went through one day of it so far, getting the baseline as he's trying to figure out where my level's currently at and how to, to build on that. I'm, really excited about it. So, uh, I, I think, I think this podcast would be really valuable to anybody that's listening. I think that, that it's a very approachable way of a training and not something that's overwhelming or feeling like you have to kill yourself every time to be in good shape. That is not the the purpose of this. And I think Todd speaks of it very well. He trains some of the most elite people in the world outside of hunting as well. And I think that, I think that you get a lot out of this, whether you're getting ready to hunt out West, whether you're hunting in the East coast or whatever it is, I, or just in life in general, um, being healthy and in shape. So, and, uh, I guess if you want to, you want to beat COVID, you know, being healthy is one of those things that helps you out too. Anyways, All right. Well, I hope you enjoy this podcast here with Todd Bumgardner and hope everyone has a great rest of your week. All right. We're live. Todd Bumgardner, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's it's good to good to get to talk to you. I had um, you've come highly recommended from some people that I, I greatly respect and and a mutual friend of ours, Matt Comment. Yeah, Matt's and a good dude, man. He's he's one of the best. He's someone I look up to greatly, and just has been a really, really good person. And uh, to me, helped me kind of get into hunting all over, and just just always with someone to, to rely on. I haven't I haven't talked to Matt in a little while, but uh, he's he's a great dude. 
He is, man. He's a wealth of knowledge and he's always willing to help. And quite honestly, you know, I, I shoot with him. He, well, I train Matt. Matt trains with me at my gym. Okay. And he and I shoot together once or twice a month. And he's actually turned me into, I feel confident shooting out to like 600 yards now. And like, like you, I grew up in Pennsylvania. I think the farthest shot I took on a deer in Pennsylvania was maybe 60 yards. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> to, to make that kind of progress is pretty cool, but he's a good, he's a good teacher, man. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, it sounds like you're a pretty good teacher yourself too. If he's uh training with you. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's good to finally get him to listen. I think he'll tell you, you know, in the back in the past, he was just, he'd like to burn hot, man. And he trained a little bit too hard, got himself in some trouble, and now we're we're rebuilding. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, <laughs> well, cool. Why why don't you start off by telling uh, the listeners a little bit who you are and uh, what you do? Yeah, man. So, uh, like Bo said, my name is Todd. I I'm from Pennsylvania, but I live uh, live in Northern Virginia in Loudoun County, um, and I work as a, a strength and conditioning coach for a Tier One tactical unit. I own a gym. I run a mentorship program uh, for other trainers and coaches. I do some writing and some consulting, and then I uh, I also have a uh, a training program for hunters called Human Predator Pack Mule, and it's just it's kind of been my gig, man. I spent my entire adult life in strength and conditioning, and now trying to give back to hunting with it as well. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I, I noticed um, like in your Instagram bio and stuff, it sounds like you have your hands in a whole bunch of. Dude, different yeah. businesses probably more than i should honestly <laughs> probably more than i should i do it's 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 just fun man it's just exciting to 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 be in a bunch of different things and and try to accomplish a bunch of things and it's like it's so sometimes it's tough to narrow down your passions and which one you're going to stick with but it's like i don't know for now it's working yeah no that's i i, I can relate a little bit and i i feel like anyone like like yourself and other you know, full-time entrepreneurs I've talked to is like all have the similar, uh, mindset and I'd say problems and good things at the same time where you kind of oh, get yeah. your hands in a whole bunch of different stuff. <laughs> well, you see something you're like, I can figure that out. I know how to do that. Yep. You know what I mean? And then you just go with it and you're like, well, son of a bitch, now I have a business. So that's just how it is. You know, <laughs> that's yep. funny. Well, before we get into your businesses, I did want to say, so we're both from Pennsylvania and that's yes, something sir. that, uh, we clicked on and, and you're from really not that far away from me. So that's, that's kind of cool too. Yeah. A couple hours, man. I just, uh, grew up about a half an hour south of state college uh in mifflin county pennsylvania there's a bunch of bunch of amish folks and that's about that's about it (laughs) and you (laughs) yeah a bunch of amish folks and and guys like me that's about it yeah how so when did you move down to virginia i've been here since uh 2016 so i was um i I was in pennsylvania i I, mostly most of my life I, i played football at lake home in college um and then from there, I was in college, man, and I was like, I was going to school for psychology, and I thought about either being a special education teacher or uh, being a clinical psychologist, and like neither of those felt good to me. And I went to like every time I would go to the library, I'd end up looking up stuff on strength and conditioning or getting on all the different websites or doing research. And so I ended up in that field because I was like, I'm not, I'm not gonna. And every <laughs> every time after that, when I tried to have an office job, I would just get fired. So I was like, "Well, I can't really do this." Yeah. <laughs> so I, I I ended up bouncing around um, between Pennsylvania and Connecticut, and I came back to to Pennsylvania. And I was I was home, man. I almost took like a sabbatical, and I just took the fall. 
and I hunted and fished with my buddies and then moved down here to help my buddy, Chris, who was also my business partner in our online business, um, grow his gym and uh, came down to be kind of like the operations manager and staff and run the staff and stuff like that. So I've been here for five years now. Okay. So I, I guess um, if you wouldn't mind, break down the different companies that you're a part of, just so mm-hmm. one from my own knowledge and then sure. also for the listeners here. Yeah. So I have a gym uh, with my business partner, Chris. It's called Beyond Strength. Um, we essentially train folks to be able to do whatever they want to do because our, our whole uh, thought process is life is better when your body's capable. So um, we make people strong and we condition them. And it's, it's mostly normal folks. Um, and then we, he and I also together have the gig with the tactical unit. Um, you know, I can tell you who it is off the air. I'm not allowed to say it publicly, yep. but uh, we work with them and I work with the new recruits. I spend about 10 months with them as they're going through the train up, mostly keeping them healthy, um, kind of almost retraining them because a lot of them are former, former spec ops guys. So they still think like they're 25 and they can burn really hot and they can't. Um, so it's, it's getting them through their, their train ups. And then, you know, we have strength faction, which is our mentorship program for other trainers and other uh, gym business owners. And like I said, I have human predator pack mule, which I do customized training for uh, backcountry and mountain hunting. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I mean, it. You have your hands in a lot of things, but they all seem to kind of relate. I mean, obviously, they all kind of come back to the same same things. So you just kind of branched out in different avenues yeah. there. How how many times can you you paint with the same paintbrush in a different way? I guess is it, man? Because it's like <laughs> you know, it's like you get to a certain point where you you want a different challenge, or you know, you're solving a problem for yourself, and you want to be able to help other people solve that same problem. It's just I keep running into that, and, and I just I can't help myself. I keep doing more with it, you know. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. So, what what made you like from the from the mountain hunting side of things, what made you, where'd you see like the, the downfall, like the, the problem to solve? Where, what did you sure. see there? So, well, I, I got it. I started getting into it because, you know, um, I would hear my buddies coming back from Colorado or Idaho or whatever it was. And they were elk hunting. And I was like, man, I'd like to do that too. I've never, you know, hunted off the East coast outside of Pennsylvania or outside of Virginia. And, you know, I actually, I stopped hunting for about a decade for um, personal reasons that we don't need to get into here. But, um, but my buddies were always talking about it. And even when I wasn't hunting, I was like, man, I'd like to do that someday. And so I was like, well, I'm going to do it. And I, and I decided that I was going to try to get some elk tags. And so I went looking to learn from other people, you know, I was like, well, there's people that are doing this already. And I'd like to see, you know, how they apply their principles that I already apply and understand. So it's like, I, I knew that I needed to train for endurance. I knew I needed to develop my aerobic system more than it was at the current time. And I was like, well, I want to see how other people are doing this. So I went looking around and I was like, really disappointed. Um, and I, I just couldn't find anything that I was like, man, this is actually well thought out. This is organized. This is programmed. Well, I just couldn't find it. And so I was like, well, I guess I'll do this myself. And so I started working on, um, you know, just a lot of aerobic development and, and we can talk about more what I mean with that. And, um, and I took on the pro- process myself and I looked at like when I would be hunting and worked backwards from there and, um, and decided that, you know, if I was going to do this for myself, I feel like other guys could probably use it too. So that's why I started taking on clients with it. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And one of the things I've heard you mention a couple times in this episode and just through following you on Instagram, you talk about guys running hot and, um, and kind of the, I guess 
maybe I don't know if issues is the right word with that, but kind of explain what what you what you see from what that means exactly. Yeah, I mean, essentially, I think most people try to train at too high of intensities too frequently, um, and it doesn't really do anything for you that much. Uh, so there's, let's take it back to this. So the, the 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 biggest thing that people need is strength, and they need a good aerobic system, and that's just for being a human being, man. Um, and so a lot of people try to do this really, really intense training. And if you don't have the aerobic system to support that, so you're not going to recover and you're going to work at really, really high heart rates all the time. And so that means that you're just going to sap yourself and it's going to make it really difficult for you to recover. And you're not actually going to build the machinery that you need to build to be able to go out and, and have the endurance and, um, have the strength and the things that you need to go out and perform. And so that's what I really see is I see a lot of really high intensity, not well organized uh, stuff. So like most of your training when it comes to your conditioning should be done at or below something called your maximum aerobic function. And there's this uh, equation for it called, uh, God, I can't say this guy's name. Anyway, just look that up. There's this thing called the math equation and it's 180 minus your name or minus your, your age. And that tells you about the highest heart rate you should be doing a lot of your aerobic training at. So like I'll be 35 next month. So uh, mine would be about 145. But since I have a fair base of aerobic training, I can go to about 150. And so most people, most of their conditioning should be at or below that heart rate because it trains your aerobic system to function well. And that means that you'll be able to do a lot more work without jacking your heart rate up, which means you'll just by nature be able to do a lot more work. So if you can work at that intensity, it increases the amount of work that you can do without jacking your heart rate up. Your heart rate gets up, you start to fatigue faster, and you run out of gas. So the main goal is to just make your body efficient. Yeah, no, that, that makes total sense. And I can definitely say that a lot of times I fall under that category as someone that probably doesn't do that necessarily correctly. And, and, um, just thinking when you're talking about, I'm doing the math in my head as far as I'm 28 years old. And so, you know, 152, I think if I can, I don't know yeah. if I can add or subtract for it well right. without right. a calculator anymore. But, uh, anyways, so I, I know that a lot of my workouts, I track it on my watch that I run hotter than that. Um, when I'm doing it. And one thing I think that, that I notice when I'm doing extremely like high intensity type stuff for over say throughout the week, every day, kind of doing something similar to that. I, I mix it up between more. It's usually every other day I'm doing something like that, but I do realize that I get burned out, um, pretty, pretty quickly with it. And, you know, I try to, you know, tell myself as far as like, Oh, you just gotta get through it. You gotta, toughen up essentially with it. And I, I want to say that were you, did you do a, a podcast a while ago with Adam Yonke from yeah. beyond the kill? Okay. Yep. I was gonna say, I, I remember hearing this concept at one point before and, uh, and, and so that's, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, man. And, and the thing is, is like, you know, I can remember being in my mid to late twenties. And I was really, I lifted really heavy then. And at that point, like I could go in and slam a sixer and squat 500 pounds and it wouldn't be a big deal. But the thing is, is just like you pay for it. Yeah. You end up paying for it. And, and that's the thing when it comes to this conditioning too, man, is like you said, 
burn you, you start to get burnt out yeah and the thing about it is is if if you train with to develop your aerobic base and you train in in, in similar to these ways that i'm talking about you don't get burnout and you can do more and more and more work and it actually builds the machinery that you need to go out and and perform and have endurance with it because the thing about it is like dude you're tough enough you don't need to get any tougher you know that you can do it like so it's build the machinery which is like you know the muscular endurance the the training your heart to function the way that it needs to function all of those things and then you go out and you know you have all of the tools you need to go perform and not really worry about it yeah Okay. Yeah. That, that, that makes sense. So like, all right. So if you're, if you're looking at your approach to it, like kind of, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here, but like, if you're looking at, um, a week or so, like you're laying sure. out your week to, yeah. to work, what, what kind of, what kind of stuff does it fall under that category to build that, that aerobic, uh, function and then yeah. also the strength as well? Yes, dude. So it's like, it's as simple as hiking. Um, so I, I can walk you through my current training week right now. Yeah, that would be, that would be awesome. So on Mondays, uh, I strength train, uh, I strength train and do, um, some plyometric work, which would be like reactive jumping and things like that. And then at the end of that session, I'll do about 30 minutes of what's called cardiac output, which would be that the same kind of work that we're talking about. So that's essentially keeping your heart rate somewhere between like 110 and 140, because in that rate, in that heart rate zone, um, you stretch your heart more, the le- specifically the left ventricles. So then you're able to pump out more blood with each stroke. And it also is just with more blood flow, you recover better and, and it affects your nervous system as well. So that's Monday. Uh, Tuesday is high intent. It's something called just call it. We'll essentially call it high intensity intervals, but it's called resi- high resistance intervals. So it's like I'll do sled sprints. Um, for about 30 yards and I'll use a weight that makes it take somewhere between eight to 12 seconds. Um, and then at the end of that eight to 12 seconds, I wait until my heart rate is back down into that aerobic zone, like 120, um, because it allows you to keep your effort higher for longer. And you're actually training your muscles to be able to put out more of that effort rather than keeping your heart rate real jacked up and trying to push. You actually take that, you actually destroy the mechanisms in your body that you need to be able to do that with endurance. So it's training through that. It's essentially making like your fast switch muscle fibers more aerobic um, and it's training your recovery systems um, and all of those kind of things. So that's on Tuesday, Wednesday, I lift again. Um, Sometimes I'll do some of that cardiac output or not. And then Thursdays I get into what, most folks would call zone two, which is a little bit higher of a heart rate. So, you know, you're there if you can breathe through your nose, but like when you breathe through your nose, it's like tough to breathe through your nose. Yeah. So that's, that's, um, that's that, uh, workout. And then on Fridays I do a combination of different things. So I'll do something called aerobic plyometrics. So essentially you do uh, a lot of jumping for 30 seconds and uh, for somewhere around 30 seconds, then you rest for 30 seconds. And essentially it's the same kind of thing where you're training your, your fast switch muscles to have more endurance. Um, and then on top of that, I'll do some more of the cardio out, cardiac output training, but I also do um, some different stuff on that day where I'll either accrue a lot of work with my upper body for muscular endurance. So like one of the things that I think I'll take a step real quick side step. One of the things that I think, um, guys mess up when they're when they're going to hunt and do a backpack hunt is they'll do their gym workout and then maybe they'll do some rucking and hiking but that really doesn't extend beyond a couple hours and as you know if you're going to hunt elk if you're going to the tundra to hunt caribou whatever you're doing you're going to be moving all day 
and coming from the east or coming from your desk job or whatever and then thinking you're going to go work out for 90 minutes and then that's going to support you for the entire day it just won't you're just going to bonk at some point so about this time of the year uh, i start something where i start moving all day so i'll do push-ups starting from when i get up out of bed until dinner time and i'll just try to accrue a certain number i think the last last week i did 300 throughout the day and i did about 125 chin-ups um so i do that so i start to move all day and then i start to coincide like my hiking with that so i'll extend my hikes and i'll decrease that all body all day body weight work and then i'll go and build up to do like you know for example somebody could use their scouting trip where they'll take like a 48 hour hike and, and go back and look at some areas or whatever and i try to coincide it with that kind of stuff um, but i also do just some upper body work to just uh, build a lot of density and a lot of a lot of muscular endurance saturdays i don't do anything i take it off and then um, sundays i typically try to hike somewhere between six and ten miles unloaded right now no weight so okay now it'll be this weekend i'll go out and try to find some sheds there, yeah, there you go. As it, that's what I was thinking. Like that's kind of a good combination, I mean, you know. You're doing a lot of that stuff. I see you're out looking for sheds and hiking and scouting all the time. Yep. That counts, man. That yeah. counts. Yeah, yeah. And, and one thing that I I started doing actually this year, um, and a lot of it had to do with reading one of your posts about it. Was I would always this time of year try to throw weight in my pack as I'd go and and hike and and it, one I wasn't ready for doing that like right off the bat because when i get a chance if i get a saturday to go out i'm gonna hike all day so say i'm doing 12 to 14 miles of scouting different places going stuff and i start throwing weight in my pack going from not doing that at all during the winter it's I feel some pain spots, let's put it that oh, way. Sure, and, and I, I, you know, and having troubles with different, like, uh, some of my joints and, and, and muscles being super tight and just different things that, um, and just recently I started doing it with little weight. Like I've just, whatever I'm carrying to go out a couple yep. Nalgene bottles of water, um, whether I'm grabbing some trail cameras, some snacks some stuff in my, in my pack and just going that way. And I've been feeling better at it. And would you recommend, like, say you're doing something like that and then eventually just start working up, maybe putting a little bit more weight in yeah. and yeah, you, you just don't need it yet. Now's the time to really like you, when when you think in, in terms of uh, of like the strength and conditioning world, you typically think volume first. So like the amount of work. So you want to accrue a bunch of volume and then you start to add the intensity. So like this time of year, get your hiking in, get your walking in. You don't really need a bunch of weight. Um, I've I've done one hike so far this year where I added 10 percent of my body weight. And that's just because, you know, actually Matt and I were going out to we go out and hike at Manassas uh, Battlefield, and I'm at the point where it's like I can't get my heart rate up enough there if I don't have a little bit of weight. Um, but when I go out into the mountains, I don't carry any weight right now. Um, we just don't need it. And then throughout the year, I'll work up to consistently doing maybe six miles with about 20% of my body weight. And then I'll do very, very short intervals uh, with heavy weight right before maybe shipping off for a hunt just to get used to have my pack on, but it's like a very short amount of work. And, you know, another way that you can get really used to the heavy pack without beating the shit out of yourself is doing something called high intensity, continuous training, where you just, you put your pack like somewhere between, depending on the person, I do my sets at about a hundred pounds, but you have to consider that I've done this for a while. I'm also about a 210 pound guy. So, um, I'll put, 
maybe 100 pounds on my pack and then do box step ups one rep every four to five seconds, like as hard as I can do them. Because not only does it get used to the pack, but that it builds um, the aerobic capacity of your fast switch muscles. So if you're thinking about like, we need them to perform uh, like our slow twitch muscles. And then you think about guys like us who, if we're going out west to hunt, we're used to being in the east. And while we might have some some inclines and some ridges to run and stuff, we don't have the elevation. Yep. So the we need our body to be as efficient with oxygen as possible because when we go out to the Rockies or wherever we're going, and even if like even if you're only at nine thousand feet, like it's still way higher than wherever. So having those mechanisms built into your muscles helps your body work way, way better at elevation. So, yeah. That yeah, that that makes sense. And like and and thinking about it, like, so my hunt that I'm planning this year is a high country mule deer hunt where I'll be hunting anywhere awesome. from 12 to 13,000 feet up in some of the spots in Colorado. And yeah, that's uh, I've one, I've never hunted that high. I've been up over some spots at 12,000, but most of my hunting has been 11,000 and down, you know, essentially. Yeah. So that's going to be a whole nother world for me. And I, I remember like when I first started doing it, I, I just... I started training with a lot of weight in my pack because that's mm -hmm. what I thought I was supposed to do. I, I'd, I'd, I'd like does. I'd push mow my yard with a hundred pound sandbag in the in the, in the backpack and and uh, and I got out there and I struggled pretty. I mean, I did it, but it I wasn't feeling the greatest. Exactly, and, and <laughs> but that's the thing is like we see we we think about the thing that we're most fearful of, and then or the thing that might be the toughest, and we prepare for that because it's like, well, man, you kill an elk that quarter is going to be 80 to hundred pounds, man. And you're like, I got to walk that out. And so that's the thing that, that people see. And, and like the, you know, the thing that even gets like, uh, turns into like something mythic that people talk about all the time. And like this toughness for the pack out. And I was like, but there's all these other things that you have to be prepared for. And it, maybe it's even walking slow when you stalk. Cause it's like, if you walking slow, takes a lot of energy, man. And if you don't, if you're not prepared to even do something like that, it's tough. So it's like, if you do all of these other base things first, you're going to be even more prepared for the pack out. And when you have to do it, guess what? You'll do it. And it's not like, it's like, you're not going to get a trophy if you do it fast. You know what I mean? Like you just have to get it done. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that, t that totally makes sense. Like, and, and things I'm thinking about too, is like, as say I'm on an elk hunt and all of a sudden you hear a bull bugling or maybe you even see them or something, but they're moving up to an area and you got to move fast to mm -hmm. get into position. So then you're going from, you know, maybe walking slow to almost running as you're get, getting there. And then you, the hardest part, you maybe you get there and you get there in time, but you have to be able to calm yourself down to be able to, to yep. shoot, you know, effectively. And that's, and dude, that's like, not only is that just being able to manage your emotions, understand the situation, but that's also, um, having a good aerobic system because that's where you recover, man. Like if you don't have that, you're, you're not going to be able to get your heart rate down. I mean, you might get up there, but it's like, would you rather have the ability to do one sprint really, really fast or like 10 sprints, maybe not quite as fast, but you can do 10 of them and you can recover from it. Yeah. And that's kind of the thing, you know? Um, so uh, like, but that's, that's the whole foundational part, man. And that's why it's like with my guys, we really focus on, we do a lot of work in that heart rate range. And, you know, we work on the other aspects too, where it's like, my guys have some, some stuff in there that has a whole lot of suck in it. Like we do some things called for threshold training. Um, 
So it's like you work at a pretty high heart rate for like five to eight minutes. So you're used to working at those heart rates, but we work on the recovery aspect of it as well. And it's not just like some blistering thing and, and it all fits into the plan. So it's all a part of it, but you just don't need as much of it as people think. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes sense. <laughs> um, so a, a question is a debate that I always have with one of my hunting partners, Mason, is we hike completely different. So like okay. when I hike, he calls it, he says, I hike like a slow death pace. He's like, you just, you don't stop, but you just go at a pace that like Perfect. is, is, is killing you inside where he, he likes to move fast and then stop and catch his breath and recover. And See, I'm with you, dude. Yeah. I'm with you. Here's, here's the, and you know, I don't know if you know, uh, my buddy, Steve Opat that, uh, of Alaska and Aussies, yep. he and I talk about that all the time, man. It's like, when you're hiking too fast, you miss stuff. You just miss so many things when you're just blowing through there. And you might you might blow animals out. You just might not see something that you would have otherwise seen. So I'm with you. Walk slow. Yeah, I I like that. I'm glad I can take that back. But uh, <laughs> um, and and that's I mean that's the way I even walk around the the woods here. Like when I'm scouting and stuff. Like there's not not really a and same thing with with hunting. I mean you really I mean you there's a destination, say you're packing in camp or whatever, but at the same time, you're trying to take everything in and observe yeah. it at this, at the same point and same token. Oh, especially, yeah, dude, especially for like, you know, for us, it's like, you know, I mean, the, the Northeast Pennsylvania is a beautiful part of the country, but it's like, if you're traveling out to Wyoming or Montana or Colorado to hunt, it's like, sure you're hunting and sure you want to get something, but it's pretty awesome to be there too. And you want to be able to take it in and enjoy it, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, all right. So with like the, the aerobic side of it and building that up. So essentially what you're doing is say you're trying to stay in that, that target heart rate as you're going. And as you go and you start training more, you're able to do more work within that, Mm -hmm. that capability. And that's building the machinery that you're saying. And you can work at higher intensities. Like you can put out more work without your heart rate jumping. So that means that you'll be able to sustain it for far, far, far longer and recover far, far, far easier. And quite honestly, not beat the crap out of your body, which a lot of like the really, really high intensity conditioning stuff will do if it's not programmed correctly. So the biggest thing is like longevity. And that's, you know, I I made the the tagline for human predator pack mule train smarter, hunt longer. Cause I don't know about you, man, but I want to be walking up mountains when I'm 75. I don't want to be, you know what I mean? I don't want this to be a young, young man's game for me. And if you train like it, you can do it way, way, way later into your life than, than most people would believe, I think. Yeah, no, that's, that's, I would think that would be everybody's sure. hope, you know, and yeah. it's just whether you're doing the right work to, to be able to sustain that, I guess. It's important, man. It's, it, and the thing is, is like, there's, there's no shame for it. It's like, you know, I can sit here and say these things because I've spent my entire life studying and doing and, and working on this stuff. And, you know, there's a lot of skin in the game for me because I have tactical operators that if I don't, have them prepared and actually always ready for something, then I could literally get guys hurt or they just won't be able to go do their job. So it's like when you have that level of skin in the game, you learn about what really needs to be done, you know? Yeah, no, that, yeah, that's uh, th- that would one be a little bit, uh, uh, nerve wracking, a little bit of pressure on you. <laughs> I, I, it's I could, fun though, man. Yeah, I could, I could imagine that'd be that'd be pretty awesome to be able to do. And so with the the strength side of it, so explain kind of the importance of of that and why and what you see from that standpoint. 
So strength builds a lot of resilience uh, in your body. And so, you know, it also makes you more efficient. So you spend less energy to do tasks when you have an appropriate level of strength, which is a very good thing. Um, but, you know, it's also armor building. So muscle mass at, at some level protects your body. So it just works along the same lines of efficiency of like, you know, it's almost like you want to live, you have some have abilities at each end of the spectrum. So the low and slower aerobic stuff, and then combine that with being relatively strong and you have a really, really efficient body. And that like can just take more stress is really the easiest way to look at it. One analogy that I've had given to me, I mean, years ago, I don't even remember who said it, but if you think about it, like strength is like a glass, like a, a big drinking glass. And the, the more strength you have, the appropriate levels of strength you have, the bigger your glass is. And then you can put more stuff in the glass, which might be conditioning. It might be power. It might be that. So strength really just makes your frame resilient and it helps you to be efficient when you move. Um, and, and with that, it has to be movement quality. So it's like, you know, I think one of the things that, that people don't know is that your brain's always watching. So when you get tired and if you move like crap, when you're tired, you're just telling your brain, well, that's what we do when we're tired. So being able to move well and be strong and have all of these other capabilities keeps us safe, but it also just keeps us efficient and using our, our energy better. So, all right. So if you were talking about building strength, what, what are the types of workouts that, I mean, I know you mentioned some of the stuff that you're doing, but like, give us a, a few more examples, if you would, sure. of things that are strength building type exercises. Yeah. I mean, so the easiest way to break it down is we have four basic movement patterns that we want to follow. Um, we want to hinge, which would be your deadlifting movements. We want to squat. We want to push. So you're thinking push ups, bench press. Uh, stuff like that. And we want to pull. So that'd be your rows or your your pull-ups or whatever that might be. And really, you're just going to build your programs around that and um, and kind of just make sure that they're balanced. So each each of my strength days, depending that I do vary from this, is going to have like on Monday, I do a lower body push, which would be some kind of lunge or a squat. And then with that, I do some pulling. And then on Wednesday, I do bench pressing. I right now I'm I'm benching relatively heavy, and then um, I have a hinge movement in that, so like single leg Romanian deadlifts. So it's really building it around those movements. If you have those in your program and you're doing well, uh, doing them well, and you're doing them at an intensity that doesn't burn you out, like you're probably doing okay. So it, it's it's that, and and it, I think there's a good parallel there, right? So like, if I was like, hey Bo, I want you to go into the gym every Monday and max out on squats and every Wednesday max out on deadlifts. He'd look at me like I was a crazy person because it's like, you're just not going to recover from that. And you know, and it's the same thing with conditioning where it's like, Hey Bo, I want you to go beat yourself into the ground three days a week and then expect to come back from that. So it's like, you can even draw those parallels. And I think the one example that I have that was really um, it can be palpable for people, right? So I used to train a bunch of, when I lived back in state college, I used to train a bunch of rugby players and a bunch of football play, football players. And, you know, I, uh, and I'm, I'm going to preface this by saying like, Hey folks, if you like doing CrossFit, I, do CrossFit. I don't care, but it's not the best way to prepare for other things. If you enjoy that thing, do that thing. But so the rugby player came to me, he's like, man, you know, I really like doing CrossFit because it's the only thing that I've ever done where I feel like I'm playing a rugby game. 
and I'm and you know you're doing cross I was like okay you play rugby on Saturday right he's like yeah I was like well how do you feel on Sundays like shit Exactly. So you can't do that to yourself all week long and expect to be able to do the other things that you want to be able to do. Yeah, no, that's, that's a, that's a good example of, of that. And, and that's what I, I feel like with my, with my own workouts, like I, I definitely try to use a lot of, I do, well, I do squats on Mondays and I do deadlifts on, well, I do squats and I do uh, bench press on Mondays. And then I was doing, um, and there, some other things worked in, but as far as the main strength type things and then deadlifts and, uh, rows on Wednesdays. And then from there, I'm doing more of the, the cardio stuff in between. But I, I feel like the, the biggest gap for me personally is that <clears throat> with, is the aerobic side of it where I, I'm definitely, I can just from talking to you, I can, see where I'm pushing myself too much too often and I'm struggling with the recovery portion and like just I was I've noticed the other day like even like my calves were at a point where like I'd bend down and they would just like lock up and I was ha- and that's also probably comes down to stretching a little bit more but uh, <laughs> I don't know it could know. be nutrition it could be a, a lot of different things but yeah you would know yeah. better than me but I I'm and again so anybody listening if uh, don't don't quote me on things I say. I'm not a professional at this. I'm just speaking from bow language. So, <laughs> sure. no, you're good, man. Well, yeah, and I think that's the thing is there's there's just proportions, and everything has to have its place. So there's a, a certain level of strength that you're going to do. There's a certain level of the of the longer aerobic conditioning you're going to do, and there's a certain level of the more intense stuff that you're going to do. And when everything is just kind of planned out based on what you need right now and falls into the right proportions things go pretty well. Um, but I think that that's the thing is for a lot of folks, the proportions just get all out of whack because it's like, you know, for me, two examples, like I I know I would love CrossFit. I would love to do it because it would be fun. And it would just like, I like that intensity. I also just know better. And I know I would destroy myself doing it. And I'm good at strength. I'm good at picking stuff up. I'm good at jumping and I'm good at th- that kind of stuff. And it's like, we tend to we tend to bias ourselves towards the things that we're good at and so it's just for for me it's taken a certain level of maturity to realize like i can't just do that that's that's not the best long term plan so we all we all kind of lend ourselves towards those things and it just takes like for me like i hurt my hip i hurt my shoulder i've hurt my back and it's like okay when are you going to stop being an idiot and just do the things that you need to do so when i was when i was 26 i stopped powerlifting cuz i was like I deadlifted 615. I was like, well, if I try to go to 700, I'm either going to destroy myself or I'm going to have to start taking steroids. So it's like, I don't want to either. I don't want to do either of those things, man. So I'm yeah. done, you know? Yeah. No, and I'm sure that's a hard thing to be able to talk to yourself as far as mentally be able to tell yourself like, no, this isn't the, the right thing for me to do because I'm sure you love doing it. Oh, yeah. And I think one of the things that is is tough for people too is, is – um accepting that it's about consistency and that, you know, it's, if you do workouts that don't allow you to be consistent in the way that you need to be consistent, something needs to change. So it's like, you know, I can train six days a week right now, um, which is like, you don't necessarily have to, it's part of it is that I enjoy doing it. Um, 
But I can do that because the intensity of my training is in the right place on each day and, and it's planned out well. And that's the stuff that wins the game, man, is being able to be consistent. And so if you can't be consistent and it's like you'll do a workout and you're like, man, I don't feel like I can really train in a good way again for two to three days or I'm just beat to crap. It's like something's got to change, you know? Yeah, no, I, I that that point right there was something I had written down the consistency side of it. Like I, I that's um again something that that I see like so especially when I'm just starting out like as far as say during hunting season, I don't work out a whole lot as I'm sure. as I'm hunting and then I come out of it and I feel kind of, you know, not not in where I was going into the season of course, and of course. and then you start if you go into it really hot and heavy like off the bat then like all of a sudden i find myself where i'd be working out five to six days a week i'm down to three because i can i'll get up in the morning and i'm just like i'm hurting like you know exactly. struggling to 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 get through and and yeah and i mean it and i mean that consistency correlates to so many other things in life everything I mean, anything you do is yep. it it seems at least to me that it's better in doing small amounts every day rather than, and not just specifically for workouts, but it's small amounts every day rather than, you know, hitting it hard one day and then taking a couple days off. And here, I mean, here's a good way to think about it. Um, you're a good bow hunter. I would imagine when you put your bow down for a little bit, the first time you pick it up, I'm guessing that you're not launching arrows at 70 yards. The first time you pick your bow back up. No, no. Right. You might be doing blind bail stuff or you're like, I'm working on my anchor again, or I'm working on, you know, finding my sight picture again. Training's the same way, man. Like you can't just start back up and start launching arrows at 70 yards and expect it to be there. And then, and then the same thing with, if um, kind of correlates with, with hunting. Right. So it's like, um, if you, if you start an archery season and you're hunting a lot, but you're not shooting your bow in between the times that you're hunting, like that's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're not going to be necessarily as prepared as you need to be to go out and, and to draw on a deer. Same thing. It's like in hunting season, I don't train as much either. I'm, I'm right there with you, but I just make sure that I hit one or two strength workouts a week. And I make sure I do a little bit of cardiac output and just to make sure that, you know, when we get to, December or January and, and I'm done hunting. Well, I hunt waterfowl in the winter because I really like that. But like when I'm done doing the strenuous type hunting that I can pick up my training again. And it just, it just follows the same way in the same cycle. You know? You're essentially PMing your machine. Like you're, you're yeah. Preventative maintenance on it and keeping it running at that. You might, you might not be getting to a point where you're growing with it, but you're just continually oiling it and making yep. sure everything's running smoothly. Exactly. And then you just recalibrate and you think, okay, what are my needs now? And, and finding that kind of stuff out. And then, and then you just start the cycle over again, you know, and you yeah. learn a little bit the next time. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, it's so true. I mean, the, the, the uh, analogy you gave with uh, the bow there, like that's again, another thing that recently I was like, well, w- one of the reasons is um, I'm going to a, a camp next week. Well, by the time this airs, I've already been there, but uh, um, my buddy Dan has these elk shaped camps and I'm going to it to learn some stuff about elk hunting. And I'm like, what he has a part in there. You got to shoot your bow and, and, uh, see where your max effective range is. And I'm like, well, I am not at a point where (laughs) I can be, uh, doing that. So, you know, I started in my basement. I'm just shooting every, every, when I'm doing my workouts down there, I'll just shoot, 
even four arrows in the morning, just getting the anchor back, getting stuff. And then just this past week, I moved out to the yard and started shooting, you know, a little bit further. Cause I know if I would have picked up my bow that first time and went out and tried shooting even 40 yards, it wouldn't be even close to where I was sure. beforehand. Exactly. And, and it's the same thing as like, you know, if you're, if you're, it's, it's the difference between like learning slash practice and performance and if you're i think a lot of people with their workouts they're constantly trying to perform rather than learn and practice and if you're constantly trying to perform you don't develop the the other things that you need like the 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 machinery that you need to go back to that analogy to be able to actually go out and perform when it is game time yeah and and another thing that that you you know you're saying about building up that machinery so that when you have the uh, a when you need to use it, you can, you know, so that's like when it comes down to that pack out, yeah, that might be harder than you might normally be doing and maybe for a longer period of time, but you already have that base and you already have Mm -hmm. that ability. You can get through it, you know, at that point. You're going to do it. I mean, you're going to do it. And, you know, the thing is, is like, I'll give you an example from training. So, on the cycle that I deadlifted 615, the training cycle that got me there, the heaviest weight that I deadlifted during that entire cycle was 505 pounds. And I did it for two sets of three. And that was the heaviest I went. So it's like your body doesn't need to be the whole way at its max to be able to get there when you need it to. It just needs to have the machinery to be able to do it. So it's like, if you're hiking, if you're doing some hikes in the summer at 20% of your, or for 20 to 20% of your body weight, and then maybe you jack it up a little bit to get used to your pack, you're going to be just fine. You're going to be all right. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, unless it's like a million degrees outside, What's the rush? You'll get there. Take your time. You know, use your use your trekking poles and take your time. It'll be just fine. So yeah, I think that that's it too. It's like you you don't need to set a land speed record. You just need to get where you're going. Yeah, no that 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 makes total sense. It, it like and and think about it too. Like say you're doing a a seven day hunt or maybe even a ten day hunt or a fourteen day hunt. It's the consistent effort of being able to do that every single day. Yep. You know, and, and I keep, I keep bringing back my own uh, examples of it because that's what I can relate to. But I, I remember, and I've told this story before, but I remember I was on a 14 day, uh, backcountry hunt in Colorado and for elk and I think it was 2018 and by day like 11 or so, maybe 11 or 12, I got really sick. Like my immune yeah. system was just down. I was just, I wasn't prepared to work like that for that long period of time and it i my body just shut down and it was it was extremely difficult Uh, that's and that's the thing is like also being able to understand like uh, we'll call them your refractory periods when you know like you need to rest and you need to shut down and i think that that's tough because we get so amped up where it's like i only got two weeks man like i got to make this happen when it's like really you need to be able to rest when it's time to rest and uh you know, that's what, um, you know, my, my buddy, Steve, he and I, he and I went up to, uh, well, you and I were re- relatively close to each other about the same time last year hunting, uh, caribou. And, you know, one of the things going up, you know, we were talking about was Alaska doesn't give a shit. Like you just have to be able to hunt when it's time to hunt. And if it's, you know, if the fog rolls in, 
just relax, man. Take it easy. Let the fog roll out. And then when you can hunt, be ready to hunt again. And, and I think that that's the thing is being able to toggle your switch a little bit and just like cool your jets, brother. Like you'll be able to hunt eventually and just yeah. be ready to go when it's time to go, you know? Yeah. And then, and then you're, you're operating at your highest potential, you know, and you're not wasting energy when you don't need to. And so there's a couple examples, like what you just said in Alaska, we did that too. I felt like, you know, I'm, I'm used to wanting to be, you know, up at first light doing all this stuff, but we, we were getting fogged in until 8am every day. So I was like, so why am I going to get up at five and just sit there and wait for the fog when I can just get a couple hours more rest? And it was, it was consistent doing that. I was like, okay, that made sense. And the same thing, even if you can relate it to whitetail hunting. So like, say you have, you're during the rut and you have seven days off and you can hunt and on Pennsylvania, you get six days of that to hunt for the most part. But, uh, you know, I'll, if I'm sitting in a tree dark to dark every day, I'm getting super wore out and I'm not mentally there. And that was something it took me a long time to learn this. My dad told me years before I listened to it, but he's like, Hey, he's like, if you, if you're getting wore out and you're not feeling like you're all there, he's like, sleep in a little bit and hunt your way in, in the morning or, you know, do something where you're not completely sure. just cause he goes, you're not, you're not there mentally. You're not operate. If your opportunity comes when you're in that state, you might not be able to capitalize on it. Yeah. Or just go when the conditions are right. Like I, yeah. that's one of the problems that I have is like, I just want to hunt all the time. And I'm like, ah, screw it. I'm just going to go anyway. When it's like, you know, you probably shouldn't and you should probably just rest. So I, I get it, man. It's it's tough to do too. You know, and it's like the bull that I killed last year, dude, we didn't even, we didn't leave camp till three o'clock in the afternoon. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, but you have until 11. Yeah, I was gonna it's, say, it's not yeah. light anymore, but we didn't even leave camp till three in the afternoon. It was like, we were messing around, making sure people's guns were sighted. Like somebody had trouble with their gun. Like we were working on their gun, like eating, making sure it's like, all right, well, we got to go get the boat anyway. Let's go hunt. So, yeah. So how, how was that hunt? Like, how was oh, that dude, hunt for you? It was awesome, man. I mean, quite honestly, I, I know you flew, but like that drive up the Dalton highway, it's super cool. Like you got to do it at some point. Yes. Yeah. It is just the entire, we, I actually got to drive. We had to pick up a boat in Wasilla, Alaska. So I got to drive from Anchorage the whole way to Fairbanks and then from Fairbanks the whole way to Prudhoe Bay. And so it's like a thousand miles. But dude, you see everything. It is just an incredible drive. I mean, and the hunt was cool, man. It's like we uh we we had jet boats, so we were able to get five miles out that way. And uh at first we were nervous, man, because we were seeing we were seeing caribou, but there were no bulls. It was like three or four days before bulls started showing up. And I'm Steve was getting nervous. He's like, dude, where are they at? Where are the bulls? And it's like, I don't know. And I was like, I was nervous too. I was like, yeah. God, we got time, man. We got time. And then they just started showing up. And um, we uh, we had put a stock on one and you know, we were able to kill one one night. And then Steve, the day that Steve and I had to go get the boat, you know, and you know, in your mind you see this like perfect scenario, right? Like you want to do you want to have a good stock. You want to see him from a couple miles away. And you're like, man, how are we going to get there and figure it out? But Steve and I were going to get the boat <laughs> and he had to go to the bathroom. And so he walks up off of the river bottom and is up on this ledge. And he's like glassing while he's going to the bathroom. He's like, bring me a spotting tote. So we go, I sprint up. You're, you're like, pull up tote. your pants first, then I'll bring it yeah, up. <laughs> <laughs> but I started running up 
and he sees the bull that I eventually killed out in the flat, but he was, he was outside the rifle corridor and he's like, I don't know, man. He's like, we could try to try to get a stock on, but like, there's not a lot of cover over there. I was like, okay. And so in my mind, like I saw him and there was just something, dude, like I knew, like I, that's the one that I wanted. And so I would have sat there till the next day. I would have slept right there, but there were two bulls, you know, maybe a, a couple miles, maybe a mile up river um, on the same side of the stream as us. And he's like, let's go try to get those. And if we don't get them, you know, we'll see what this guy's doing. And I was like, reluctant. I was like, okay, he's probably right. We got to take the, the opportunity that we have. So we go up and we blew the stock. Like we just, there was the, Steve and I had hunted black bears in Alaska before, but that was the first time, you know, we'd really tried to stalk something together and we blew it. And um, we just weren't coordinated. So we were like, screw it. Let's go back up for the big guy. And we get in the boat and we're going down. And he's shit. Steve's like, shit, he's crossing the river. We got to go. And so we start sprinting to the boat and he's like, are you okay with me beaching the boat and you shooting out of it, which is legal in Alaska. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I should be humble about this situation. You know what I mean? Cause it's like, you see the situation that you want. I was like, how many opportunities am I going to get? Yeah. So he beaches the boat and I'm laying prone and I can't see over the rocks. So, for some odd reason, I don't know why I stand up and I'm like, I can do this. And, and Steve ranges and he's like 200 yards. And I was like, Oh, I can do that. And I tried to shoot offhand at 200 yards, like a buffoon. And I missed obviously. And so he starts trying to circle to get our wind. So I drop down and I get a rest on the side of the boat. Um, and he circled us to about 170 yards and I, I hit him high shoulder and dropped him. And it was yeah, it was it was pretty cool. It was a pretty cool experience, man. No, that's that's awesome. And like you said, you have to take those opportunities as they come. You know, it's yeah. like it was. Just, I mean, the same thing when I was up there. I we did a like a nine and a half mile loop the one day. Beautiful country, all this yeah. stuff. And then I end up shooting my caribou. Literally, I got out of the tent and the fog's just lifting. I put my binos on the tripod and looked through them and they were right there. Like they were coming down the valley really, and just ran up and it all happened in a matter of 15 minutes. I'm throwing my, taking my Crocs off, throwing my boots on and there you go. And yeah, it, it, it happens like that, you know? So that's the, that's, that's the beautiful thing about being up there. And, you know, you know, when we set our camp and, you know, I took a lot of guidance from Steve because I was like, I've never, I've never hunted caribou before. You yeah. know, this guy's done it for 10 years. He's like, we just need to have a camp that we can hunt from because, you know, for us, the thing that I learned about hunting caribou, and I'll probably try to do it every year until I die now, is like, you got to be able to, for them, because you don't know what, you can't predict them. You just have to be somewhere where you can see and somewhere you can move. And so um, that's it, man. Like they could, we had a, we had a caribou roll through camp the first day and we tried to set up the, the one chick that was with us hunting, like take your shot. And she just couldn't get a shot, but it's like, if you're just in, you just have to be there, man. And and that's how it works for them. It's not like this whole, it's not as technical as we'll hunting white tails or yeah. anything like that. It's just like, you just got to be there and you got to be able to move. Yep. No, that, that makes, that makes total sense. And, uh, um, I, I definitely, I always thought, or I, I guess I thought when I went up to Alaska to hunt caribou, that was like almost like a bucket list thing. I'm like, Oh, hunt caribou. Then I'll hunt some other species and do, you know, then after doing it, I was like, I'm already planning on going back up there in 2024 with taking my dad up and, and my brother and trying to, I I'd loved it. Like, I think I, I could definitely hunt them every year. You know, it's just like, oh, dude, awesome. They're so goofy too. Like yeah. 
one minute you'll see them, and I'm sure you can speak to this too. They'll stand there and stand still for like an hour, and then all of a sudden they will just be gone. It is a vi- they're such a goofy critter, man. Yeah, but I was I was jealous. I was listening to your podcast that you did with Donnie. I was jealous. I dude, I've hunted in Alaska now in my life 17 days. I haven't seen a grizzly bear yet. Really? I haven't seen one. I hunted in the Chugach National Forest for black bears. Yep. I hunted on the tundra. I haven't seen a bear yet. I haven't seen one. Ah, oh, that's crazy. Yeah, we you had uh, we one saw go through of, camp, didn't you? Yeah, we had one go through camp. We had two up in the saddle on the second day. We were watching them eat berries up there, and then another one over. There was at one point there was a grizzly bear eating, and then above them on the ridge was caribou running the skyline. And it was oh, that's cool. They were probably you know a mile apart, but from our view, it looked like they were like you know just right on top of each other. Sure. So it was it was pretty. It's pretty wild to to be able to see that, dude. That's super neat. I'm I'm jealous of that. I am. Yeah, and then right before we got we flew in, our pilot was like, "Yeah, we just had some other guys that were in camp have a, a grizzly bear go through their entire tent while they were out hunting, like just completely shredded it, and they had to go in and and pick them up." And I was like, you know, a little bit kind of on edge. Sure, it's my first time ever hunting in grizzly country, and and I'd been up to Alaska. I was in the the, the Chugach there before, but just I was up there with um, Heather Kelly from Heather's Choice, who yep. Steve's friends with, and yep. and we went up there and did some uh, whitewater rafting and camped on a glacier and stuff. But I I st- I'd never seen one really to that point. So like it, on a hunt, so it was it was pretty it's pretty awesome. It's different, man. I'll tell you. Uh, I remember, you know, when I went up uh, to hunt black bears and I was with this, this guy, Joe Farinato and this other guy, Morgan Mason. And then, um, Steve had some other friends there and, and Steve and the other friends went fishing. They went to halibut fishing. I was like, I kind of want to go, but like, I came here to hunt bears. So I think that's what I'm going to do. And so we took the jet boat across this, this lake and we start hiking up this ridge. And we start seeing salmon carcass, salmon carcass, salmon carcass. And then we look over and a guy had a bait station set up. So obviously we got away from the guy's bait station, but, but Joe looks back at me and goes, I think I'm going to chamber around. And that was the first time in my life where I was ever like, Oh shit, man. Yeah. That's serious. Like we have to be prepared because you know, it's just eerie, man. When you're not, we have black bears here, but it's like, you say, get out of here and they leave, you know what I mean? So it's just, it's, it is an eerie feeling the first time. Yeah, I never think twice about black bears. You guys have a ton of them down there too. Oh, a ton, and yeah. I I worked uh, a while. I think I might have been telling you, but I worked down in Virginia down that way, and I always would go hiking in George Washington National Forest. And, oh, cool. And do oh, actually, Matt would send me hikes to to go on and stuff and and check out and and uh, I saw a couple black bears there just on hikes on main trails and stuff. And it seems like that place is. They with them. Oh yeah, dude. I was, I was going out to, to set my uh, tree stand to a few weeks. Uh, I just wanted to, I was, I was setting a tree stand or something or, or doing some scouting before archery season this year. And I walked out on the property that I hunt and a bear walked out 10, like five yards behind me, just trying to see what he was. I was. He didn't have my wind. Yeah. I was like, Hey man, what are you doing? And he was just like, Oh, and he took off. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. So you don't worry about black bears too much, man. Those grizzlies are yeah. They're eerie suckers, man. Like when we were cutting up our caribou, like we always had like one person facing one way, one on the other. And like, I remember my, my buddy, Michael was like, yeah, I'll take a load of meat back to camp. And I was like, nah, I think we should kind of just hang out Go together, together. Try to, yeah. try to be smart about it, you know, and yeah. always 
have a gun or bear spray on you at all times. Just uh, there's no sense in being silly. No, it's it's no no sense in trying to act tough. It's just like be smart about it. <laughs> no way. Did you guys see wolves? No, we didn't. I I I want I want to see a wolf or a pack of wolves. I've I never saw any of those. Did you guys? So we had one that was within 20 yards of our tents and i would find i would find their tracks every morning but i didn't get to see them man really yeah i really wanted to see some wolves but yeah just tracks i know i i'm sure you had a wolf tag too when you were up there we had yep yep and I, it's like and i'm like it was going to be one of those in the moment how do i feel things because yeah. it's like there's part of me is like can i do it i'm not sure because i've never really i've never i've never been certain of whether or not I could pull the trigger when I had a wolf in the scope. So I was going to find out. Yeah. 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 You did. You'd have to make a decision there at that point. Yeah, yep. I, yep. I just wanted to see one. I didn't care if I got one or anything. Like I just wanted to see a wolf. Yeah. Like that's, we, yeah. And you heard it in that podcast with Donnie, but when I had it, uh, an Arctic fox come up to camp, oh, yeah. like it was just, it was funny because I I didn't know like what kind of fox it was, but we just called it an Arctic fox because we were in the Arctic, and that's what yeah. it ended up being. But it was oh, cool. uh, it was it was really cool just to to see that. And it's like almost like it never saw people before, and and I'm sure there was because that camp had been used before. But it was just it was it was pretty funny. That is cool, man. They're neat looking. They are, yeah. It's it's awesome to be able to see all of those things. So where else have you been on some other hunts, like say in the lower 48 out West and stuff? Mostly just Wyoming, just Wyoming. Yeah. I have a buddy that's, um, that is, he's actually brilliant. He's an aerospace engineer. And so, uh, he's studying wind energy and all kinds of stuff at, at the university of Wyoming and and Laramie. And so, you know, a couple of years ago, he wanted to get into hunting. So my buddy Christian and I were like, well, we'll come go hunting with you. So we got, we got some pronghorn tags and I don't know if you've ever hunted pronghorns, but it's awesome. It's just, it's just fun. It is. The thing about pronghorns is, you know, you're going to see them every day. You're going to see them and you're going to get a stock every day. And so, and then, you know, as long as you're a decent shot, you're going to come home with some meat. So I've done that. Uh, I, well, I've actually hunted them once and then I hunted elk in Wyoming last year too. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's a different beast though, man. That's it's tough. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. Pronghorn. I, I've never hunted them. My brother's been hunting them for, he's got last two years. He got some nice bucks and, and he loves it. He's like, man, oh, it's just, it, he goes, it's, it's awesome. You're seeing game every day and mm-hmm. getting to make plays and stocks and you blow a few and then you get another chance. And he's like, it's just, it's a lot of fun. Oh dude. Uh, the, the, the unit that we were hunting, was like hunting the moon, man. Like there was no cover and it was just like, you're either shooting far or you're getting set up. You almost had to set up for like an ambush. Um, and there were like, I'll call them buttes because I'm an Easterner and I don't know actually what I'm looking at. So I'm (laughs) gonna call them buttes. And there were a few things that we could sneak around like that, but dude, it it's in that unit, that part made it challenging, but it was just fun. Cause like, and they were rutting. So we went the first week of October. So like just sitting there and watch them rut and watch them run each other off and watch them breed and stuff, dude. It's just a really cool experience. Yeah, that's awesome. 
And that's it, it's pretty cool that uh, so you've been friends with Steve for quite a while, Steve Opat. Mm-hmm. A few years, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've talked to him. I've talked to him on the phone. We text back and forth. He was actually just texting me the other day about something and and I I, I still haven't got him on the podcast yet. I need to I need to do that. He's a, He's got stories. He's a wealth of knowledge. Yeah. He is. It when, when we talk on I when we talked a couple times on the phone, it was just like we I felt like I've known him my whole life. Like he's Oh a, yeah, dude. Very just, personable person. He just wants to help, and he's he's excited about getting people into the outdoors and getting people to do things that they haven't done before. And and he just he really is just a good. He's just a solid dude. And that was like, you know, I had I had known him Jesus just for a couple of months, and he just called me. I was like, we texted Matt and I. I was like, you guys should really come up and go to bear camp. And I was like, okay, well, when is it? He's like, well, like Tuesday. And I was like, all right. So I was like screw it. And I hopped on a plane and went to Alaska and, and hunted bears with them. And now, now like every year we're going to be doing something together this year. It's caribou again. Next year we're going to go hunt moose. He's actually next Thursday. Uh, we're meeting in California to hunt turkeys. So. Oh, no way. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. He's a solid guy, man. You should get, he, he'll have some stories for you. You should have him on. Yeah. I'd, yeah, I'd like to just have him on just to talk stories. Like he, Oh dude, I'm sure he's got a, a ton of them, you know? He, uh, I, he, uh, just, he, he wrote it up in an article for Peterson's hunting, but you'll have to ask him about, uh, he was hunting moose with uh trail. I don't know the guy's last name, but from go hunt Yeah, trail and got charged, but got charged by a grizzly bear. He should have him tell you that story, dude. It's, it is terrifying and wicked all at the same time it is super cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And you go up there with him. You don't even see a bear. <laughs> I know, dude. It's like, I just want to see one. I was like, yeah. you could be a mile away. Yeah. Don't need to be anywhere near me, but yeah. I just want to see you. Be careful you know? what you wish for. <laughs> Fair enough, dude. Fair enough. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's awesome. Um, so, but before we end this, I did have one question I wanted sure, uh, to ask it back on the, the fitness side of things. So what about from a, a recovery standpoint with say stretching or anything like that? Are you a, a big fan of it? What would, or, or not? What's your kind of thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, I think if, to wait, the way to look at recovery is, um, are you covering your bases physiologically? And when I say that, I mean, are you getting enough sleep? Are you getting seven to nine hours of sleep? Are you eating enough? Or, um, and are you eating like an adult? And are you drinking enough water? Uh, I think that that's where you start. And then I think from there, it's really about, um, I'll say calming yourself down after you lift. And if stretching helps you do that, go ahead. And I think that that's really, because you want to, to be technical, you want to try to get your body to shift from sympathetic, which is like your fight or flight mode, to parasympathetic, which is your rest and digest mode. And you want to really facilitate that process. So with with my guys, um, we do like a couch stretch. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's like uh, you put one knee down on the ground and like maybe your foot, that foot is up on the wall and then your other knee is up in front of you and you're supporting yourself flat that way. Hang out there for a couple minutes and breathe. We do some other different types of breathing exercises just to kind of tone down um, and then move on with our day. But the mobility work and the stretching and that kind of stuff is built into the programming. So like you'll do it between lifts and stuff like that. So I do think... I think it can facilitate like quality movement and making sure that you're good. And I think really after lifting, the biggest thing is just like taking yourself from that, like, because lifting is essentially, it's a threat to your body. 
and your body's adapting to a threat. So it's like we have to say, okay, well, the threat's gone now. We can we can rest, and that's really what's going to help you recover. Gotcha. That makes sense. Well, cool. So first of all, Todd, thanks for coming on and and talking to me here, man. It was uh, it was. I had a good time talking about it and, and hearing your stories. That Alaska hunt was, yeah. that caribou hunt was awesome. And it's making me miss not going back there this year, but, uh, I'm, I'm going to go to Alaska quite a few more t- times. That's for sure. Oh yeah, dude. Me too. I, I appreciate you having me, man. I, I, uh, you asked some great questions and, um, I hope, I hope a lot of folks listen to this and I hope it helps them out. Yeah. Awesome. So where can people find, uh, any of your stuff, your programs, anything? Yeah. Easiest thing to do is just uh, follow my Instagram accounts, which are one is at Todd underscore Bumgardner, and then um, the hunting fitness uh, human predator pack mule is just at human predator pack mule. Those are the easiest things to do. Awesome. And uh, I, I would highly recommend following you on Instagram. Every once in a while, you go on some hilarious uh, Instagram <laughs> stories that uh, uh, dude. make me just crack up when I watch them. <laughs> I just like having fun, man. Yeah. If I can make a few people laugh every day, I'm doing something right. I, I uh, keep it up. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Thanks, man. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you, Todd. All right. Tip out. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.